This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Kirsten, or our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Kirsten Longbottom, and I'm joined by EPFR's Director of Research, Cameron Brandt. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about what happened to interest rate decisions over the past week, and given that, you know, the U.S. put out some data. Um, So I guess to kind of kick it off, the U.S. had added another 200K jobs in March, but that was the lowest figure in over two years. Um, The other data that investors were focused on were the latest U.S. inflation numbers for March, which dropped 100 basis points. Although it decreased, I see market expectations are still at a quarter basis point rate hike come uh, May. What do you think? Do you think uh, the latest isn't enough to incentivize the Fed to pause its tightening cycle? Just yet. <laughs> yeah, it certainly looks to me like um, one more quarter point hike is definitely uh, has a high probability of happening in May. Um, you know, fl- flows were very subdued this uh, this week, uh, partly because people were waiting for those two data points in hopes it would give them some clarity. Uh, but then because the numbers were not quite bad enough uh, to uh, to confirm hopes that the, the Fed had a case for pausing. While the, the numbers for non-farm job growth were the lowest in over two years, there was still sort of, you know, close to a quarter of a million new jobs created. Uh, and the, uh, the, the headline inflation number, while nicely down from the previous month to a, a one-year low, Uh, came with the kicker that the uh, core inflation rate is now actually higher than the headline rate. Um, And that, I think, gives the Fed uh, less wriggle room uh, to sort of take their foot off the pedal right now. Elsewhere, um, has the Reserve Bank of Australia's recent decision to pause its tightening cycle guided investor sentiment anywhere else? Um, I think it's certainly added to the feeling that uh, the end is nigh, even if the uh, end doesn't happen uh, at the Fed's May meeting. Um and while he, there was kind of a eh, quality to the flows, as, as I said, investors didn't get the conviction they were hoping for. Um, U.S. equity funds still eked out uh, their biggest weekly inflow in, I think, eight weeks. Um, and, uh, you know, people, I think, are sort of looking to a second half of the year where most of the major central banks are at the very least on hold, if not actively cutting rates. Um, you know, central banks, uh, <laughs> like all of us, have a certain herd instinct. Uh, and the fact that the, the Bank of Australia uh, has felt it can um, pause its tightening cycle um, is certainly going to catch the attention of other central bankers. They'll remain data-driven, but, you know, in some cases, I think, you know, if they have a call that can go either way, they might sort of look at Australia's experience when uh, choosing to 
make the call. Well, another kind of data, I guess, that investors were looking forward to in the past week was earnings reports. Um, And we did see some conviction in the flows to sector funds, you know, especially those earning reports from major U.S. and global banks after the recent turmoil. Um, Just quickly looking today at the few that have released, um, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan and Citigroup posted profit and revenues that topped estimates. Um, while Delta Airlines posted a quarterly loss. Some of the reports I read offered that the U.S. economy is generally on healthy footings, but that the banking turmoil adds to future risks and that the U.S. will enter a shallow recession later in the year. Um, I'm looking forward to diving into those earnings reports heavily in the next week. Um, Kim, any advice on how to digest these reports or what to look out for, especially? I think the thing to look out for is the uh, the, the reports uh, that, that accompany them. Um, they are, it's worth remembering, sort of backward-looking uh, events. Um And fairly well, the numbers are fairly well choreographed in most cases. So, um, you know, it it shouldn't be a huge surprise that somehow a majority of those reporting seem to exceed uh, expectations. Uh, But I think that the the accompanying forecasts and and reports uh, are going to be uh, quite revealing. Um, It continues to be one of the more complicated uh, investment and business uh, environments that uh, I think many of these businesses and and most investors have had to navigate in some some time. And you know, we we are one interesting aspect is that we are uh, very much in a, a bipolar world economically. The U.S. is still dominant, um, but China remains uh, remains the the coming <laughs> nation, certainly in in terms of economics and and hopes this year hinge largely on the strength of its uh, post-lockdown uh, rebound. Um, you know, and a- as you noted, uh, a number of the sector fund groups uh, that uh, we were looking at this week, when you drilled down past the headline number, there was uh, more to the story. And in fact, uh, you know, I think both healthcare and technology had that uh, bipolar twist when you looked under the hood. I I wonder perhaps if you could sort of brief us a little bit on that. Yeah, you're exactly right, Cam. So I guess most striking was China technology sector funds experience record setting outflows this past week. Um, And I think the big three factors here have been artificial intelligence, which has become a topic of tension between Europe and China recently. Um, The other is Alibaba's division into six major um, groups. A recent article I read said that this has helped investors have more views into the company, but that they still remain in in the hot seat. Um, Then China's trade environment remains challenging. Um, The latest kind of data they released this past week showed a falling demand, um, falling offshore demand and geopolitical factors that are influencing that. Um, Among the subgroups for technology sector funds, we saw semiconductors and cloud computing 
posting their largest redemptions. And then um, the other major conviction in general that we saw was a nearly $1 billion inflow for telecom sector funds. That was the largest since late 2018. Um, and was that was guided by a single communication services fund. Um, and then I guess on the flip side for China dedicated funds, uh, we saw healthcare biotechnology sector funds snap their 11-week redemption streak, um, and that was guided by the biggest inflow on record for China-dedicated funds. So it's uh, not not just U.S. sectors that uh, stir investors' animal spirits, be they bull or bear. Definitely, definitely. Good. Great. Well, thank you, Cam, as always, and look forward to what the focus will be for next week. Right. And uh, if people want uh, more of your views on the market, you will be uh, hosting our weekly two-minute flows update video uh, that comes out early next week. So people can look for that. Yes, definitely. You can see that on our EPFR LinkedIn. So go check it out. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. For more information, visit epfr.com or epfr.buzzsprout.com. Interested in joining Cam and Kirsten to talk fund flows and allocation data or have a suggestion for the topic of a future podcast? Email us directly at podcast at epfr.com.